My name is Raph. I'm the student pastor here at Journey Church. I want to take a second, uh, if you will. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I made the mistake, some of you can probably relate to this uh, with technology these days, of looking at my phone, and I got a notification, and, uh, and I can't shake it from my heart or my mind, but uh, some of you might be aware that a couple of churches in, in Egypt today on Palm Sunday were, um, were exploded um, in, in an act of terrorism. About 27 people lost their lives, Christians, uh, brothers and sisters in faith, and uh, I just think, man, I have to, uh, what the Lord's put on my heart is express how blessed we are. How blessed we are to, to come to this place on a Sunday, and, and many of us, we take it for granted, but to worship Jesus without fear of anything uh, is an amazing thing. And I just want to lift up our brothers and sisters across the world in prayer right now before we dig in this morning. God, thank you so much for, for the blessings you provide for us, God. And, and, and God, the one, as I just said, that maybe we take for granted most of all, the fact that we get to call on your name without fear of, of, of persecution. Um, we're so grateful for that. God, right now, we just we want to lift up those souls who went to be with you this morning, God, um, and, and we, want, we, we want to lift up their family as well, God, their loved ones, those left behind. Lord, we pray your supernatural peace and grace for them and, and increased faith, God, uh, that they would know um, where they're going, where their loved ones are, Lord, and, and that, that um, you are worth it. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, as I said, my name's Raf, a student pastor here, and, and we are in the middle of a series um, on the book of Ephesians called I Am. And, and it's a series about identity. And, and each week, uh, as we've been looking verse by verse at these scriptures uh, from the Apostle Paul, we've taken a specific word or, or a theme, and we've kind of zeroed in or focused in on that. And, and so uh, one of those actually, as I just said, was I Am Blessed. Last week, um, our senior pastor, Randy Nation, preached a message called I'm, I'm Heard, and, and that was about how God hears us through prayer. We can connect with him, and we have that relationship. Uh, we talked about I'm appreciated, I, I am afflicted, uh, I am reconciled, and, and most importantly, I am in Christ. I am in Christ. That's where our, ident our identity comes from. We are in Christ, and he is in us. And, and so for those of you who are regulars here, who've been a part of this series, hopefully uh, it has been blessing you. I know God's been using it to do some things in my heart over these past few weeks, and, and so I, I pray the same for you. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor here today, uh, I just want to, first of all, say welcome. Thank you so much for coming, for choosing to worship with us today. I also want you to know you picked a, a, a great time to come visit us, because next week, next Sunday, is Easter Sunday, and, and that's a big deal. It's going to be an amazing day here. It's going to be an amazing worship, worship service, and and, and the, the message, I'll go ahead and give you the title, the topic for next week is I Am New. I Am New. And it's, it's, we're, we're going to be talking about the gospel and how Jesus Christ makes us new. And it's going to be a really powerful message. And so I invite you back for that. I, I hope you come back. You don't want to miss it. Also, uh, I just want to let everyone know it's going to be a baptism Sunday. And so we've been, we've been praying. We are believing for God to bring some new people right before our very eyes uh, from, from death to life. God, to, to take those next steps, that next step in their relationship with Jesus to be obedient and be baptized into uh, the family of God. And so, again, we're praying, we're believing for that to happen. Uh, if you are a, a regular here, you call this place home. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced a moment at church where you, you heard a, a message or you experienced a worship service and, and you're like, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Like, I wish my mom could have heard that. I wish my cousin or my brother or my friend was here. That was the message for them. I'm going to tell you up front, next week, next Sunday's that message. Next Sunday is going to be that week, and so do whatever you can do to get them here, okay? Do whatever you have to do to get them here, and, and I promise you God will meet them here. He's going to meet you here. He's going to do what only he can do. Amen? All right. 
All right, so don't miss that. Uh, again, we're excited about Easter, and we're looking forward expectantly. We are, we are believing for miracles. But in the meantime, how many, how many of you know God doesn't waste a Sunday, right? And so he has us here for a reason, and he's got something for us today. So let's jump into that. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 16. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing for context, but we're really going to kind of zero in on the first six verses and, and a couple other ones uh, on the way as we work our way through. But, uh, but I'll go ahead and read the whole thing first. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascends, ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by schemes, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Excuse me for one second. The title of my message today is I Am Called. I Am Called. One of the words most frequently used uh, in the Bible to describe Christians, uh, both by the Apostle Paul and his many letters and some of the other authors of the New Testament as well, is the word called. Called. Now, it, it, the original Greek word translated as, as church in the Bible is ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's a Greek word uh, which refers to an assembly or a congregation. And it's used uh, 114 times in the New Testament. Uh, but the exact translation of that word ecclesia actually means called out or called out ones called out ones. So it's important to understand that when Paul talks uh, about the church, he's not referencing a building or an institution. Uh, he, he's talking to and or about a group of people who are specifically called by God. There's a, uh, an example of this in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, in order for, for God to call you into something, he, he first must call you out of something else. He, he called us out of darkness and into the light. He calls us out of the world and into the kingdom of God. So, so when Paul addresses the church here in Ephesus and he, and he urges them, walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, what he's doing is reminding them, hey, Christians, those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, you're called. You are called. And I would suggest to everyone in this, in this room that the same is true for us. 
You're called. We are, we are called. And, and so there's three things uh, specifically that I want to talk about t- today that I think Jesus calls us to. Okay, and the first one is this. Jesus calls us to himself. Jesus calls us to himself. I said earlier that this entire series is about identity. Okay, and, and, and what I felt like God was speaking to me the more I studied Ephesians chapter 4 is that in order for us to become who God intends for us to be, we must first answer the call. We have to answer the call. Now, what does that mean? Well, what does that look like to answer the call? Answering the call simply means that, that you hear Jesus and you respond to him. You hear Jesus and you respond to him. There's a, a, a verse that I love um, in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, that's so simple. Uh, it says, this is when Jesus is, uh, he's naming the 12 uh, apostles. And, and it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He, he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. I love the simplicity in that verse. He called, they, they came. They heard Jesus, and they responded to him. And remember who these guys uh, were. We had a couple of fishermen, a tax collector. Um, the, the Bible says some, of these, some were, were loud and boisterous. Some of them were more shy and reserved. But by and large, these were just normal guys, average, average Joes. Okay, He called, and, and they came. And, and the reason I, I think uh, it's significant to point that out is because the call isn't what you are. It's not what you are. It's not your job, your occupation. It's not your title or, or your family name. It's not what you've done or what you haven't done. Because um, sometimes we let those things define us, right? But, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. In fact, I, I love how he opens the chapter here. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, a prisoner for the Lord. We have a tendency to define ourselves by the things that we do or the things that we have or, or maybe the things that, that we lack, okay? And sometimes we allow that to become our identity, and when we do that, it can imprison us. It can enslave us. Okay, but, but, but that's not what Paul uh, does here. He, he, he says, uh, if I'm going to be a prisoner, if I'm going to be a slave to anything, I'm going to be a slave to Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm going to be a slave to, to my Lord, a prisoner for the Lord, he says. In other words, if anything in this world is going to define me, let it be my relationship with Jesus. The call isn't what you are, but it's who you are and it's who you're becoming. And it's only when you enter into a relationship with Jesus that you truly get to live that out. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, and then Paul continues, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. First and foremost, above everything else, Jesus calls us into a relationship with him. We're called into a relationship with Jesus. Now, when I say relationship, what I'm, t- I'm talking about intimacy, Talking about an, an intimate uh, relationship, intimacy uh, as defined by Webster is a, a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person. Okay, the, the, the closest thing we have here on earth that, that the Bible gives us as a comparison to this kind of relationship is, is that between a man and a wife, right? It's, it's, it's husband and wife. It's, it's a relationship of, of marriage. Um, I've been married uh, about five and a half years now, and my wife, uh, Misty, we have uh, two little girls. They're four and, and two years old, and then we have a third one on the way. She's uh, due on May 26. We don't know what it's going to be yet. We're going to be surprised, but uh, needless to say, it's, it's an exciting, uh, interesting time around the Gonzalez household uh, right now. But, but uh, I, I felt the need to, to share with you, I, I got to be honest, um, that my, if she comes to second service, but if my wife was here, she would back this up. Um, I struggle with intimacy. 
I like personally, I, I struggle with intimacy now. Not the physical kind, we got that down, obviously, right? <laughs> Number three's on the way. <laughs> but but <laughs> I'm talking about, <laughs> it's a good thing she's not here. I'm <laughs> but I'm talking about that sharing of your heart, right? Becoming one, opening up my soul and sharing my burdens and, and, and you know, having those type of deep conversations where you really let someone into your heart. Um, I struggle with that, and, and I always have. And uh, it, it kind of came to a head earlier in the week. We were having a conversation, and she was expressing, expressing some concern she had because, you know, uh, she, she read that love languages book and she said, my love language is acts of service. And so, which I would agree, like, I will do anything for you to show you I love you. I do that for my, for my girls and for my wife. And I think they should know by what I'm doing that I love her, but that's not necessarily how she receives it. And so, uh, you know, she says, I, we need to communicate. I need you to talk. I need you to open up with me. And, and, uh, and she's just like, I'm worried we got number three coming on the way and, and we're always running around and we don't have time for that now. Well, with another baby, it's only going to be worse. And so I felt convicted and I do what I usually do when I'm convicted of something. I went to the Lord in prayer, and, uh, and, and, and I just said, God, you know, kind of help me figure this thing out. Speak to me. Tell me what to do. And, 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 and he spoke to me clear as day, and he said, how can you ever expect to be intimate with your wife if you're not intimate with me? Just kind of hit me right there, right where I was at. And, and um, I'll be honest with y'all. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a smart thing as a pastor to stand up and, and share that. I struggled intimacy with the Lord in front of the entire congregation. I know that that's the smartest thing to do. But to be honest, it's the only way I know how to communicate with you all the importance and the significance of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing you'll ever know. It's the most important thing you'll ever know. Um, every other relationship in, in your life... Every, every other um, relationship you'll ever know, it comes from, it, it, it flows from, it's influenced by, it's, afflict, it's affected by your, your relationship with Jesus. And until you realize that truth, you'll never become who he's calling you to be. Jesus, first and foremost, above everything else, he calls us to himself. Okay, that's number one. Number two, Jesus calls us to live a holy life. He calls us to live a holy life. Now, if you're anything like me, especially um, when I first came to Jesus as a new Christian, that might uh, scare you a little bit. Because for me, when I think about holiness or holy life, I think holier than thou, right? I think about, uh, you know, restrictions and rules and a long list of do's and don'ts. That, that's what I thought holiness uh, meant. You know, don't, don't uh, drink, don't cuss, don't, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't do anything that seems like fun. That's how you live a holy life. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what I always thought, okay? And, and, and so I'm here to tell you that's, that's not necessarily the truth, okay? Holiness does not mean restrictions. It doesn't mean you have to be uptight. It doesn't live in a holy life. It doesn't mean you can't have any fun, okay? That is, that is false. So, so what is holiness? What does it mean to live a holy life? Here's how Paul started to describe it in, uh, to his young protege in, in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 9. He said, By the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So, so first of all, living a holy life is not based on you. It's based on God. It's not on your power or your strength. It's by his power, his strength, his purpose, and his grace. Okay, his, his grace. And through his, his grace, God gives us the Holy Spirit to help guide us. And it's by the, the strength of the Holy Spirit uh, that we become more and more like Jesus every day. 
That's the process of, of changing and, and, and becoming more like Jesus. He gives us uh, new desires. He, he, over time, as we follow him, as we grow closer to him, we want the things that he wants, and, and he causes this change in us. It's his power. So uh, getting back to Ephesians, um, Paul says in verse 4, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul says God is the God of everything. And so living a holy life means living an undivided life. An undivided life. Paul's talking about a unity here that we can only get through Christ. He's saying he's not just God on Sunday, he's God every day, Monday through Saturday. He's not just the God of Journey Church. He's the God of every church that calls on the name of Jesus. He is, he is over all and in all and through all, and he wants to be involved in every area of your life. Paul's saying Jesus calls you to live a holy life, and then he's empowered you uh, by the strength of the Holy Spirit to, to do it. And so what if we uh, decided to stop separating our lives into compartments and started viewing everything in our life as a call from God? How you approached your job your home life, how you treat people, the way you talk to people, the decisions you make, the way you spend your money? Well, what if we viewed everything in our lives as part of the call that God has placed on our lives? What would that look like? What kind of change, what kind of difference would that make? Because make no mistake, the God of everything has called you. He's called you. And holiness is when God is in everything you do. Your personal relationships, your dating life, your hobbies, your entertainment choices, your, your job, how you raise your kids. And, and if you're truly in a relationship with Jesus, then, then you can't do these things the same as you did before you knew him. And I, I'm, I'm telling you this from personal experience. That was, that was my story. When I, when I first came to, to know Jesus in 2010, and, and I, shortly after that, we moved here to Kentucky. One of the first things, as, as God called me to live a holy life, one of the first things he called me to change was, um, was my language. <laughs> I'm not proud to say this, but, but I used to, before I met Jesus, I used to cuss a lot, <laughs> like a lot, and, and I didn't think anything of it until I moved here, and I realized, man, um, not all these people in church, all these people hanging out don't really talk like that, and I called my friends from home, and then I realized, like, just a product of our environment, like, every other, you know, they're dropping F-bombs, like, happy, mad, sad, doesn't matter, it's just a favorite adjective, and I was like, man, God's calling me not to speak this way anymore, and, and it's not like I'm judging other people who do, but it was like, I just, it just didn't feel right in me, and so that was one of the first things he changed, and it seems like a silly example but that's kind of how it works. Another thing was sports. I love, I love sports. Don't hear me say anything different. I'm still a diehard fan. Anything Boston, I'm watching. They're my team, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm all in. But, but uh, I used to never miss a game. In fact, like I had a contract in order to, to first move to Kentucky. I told my wife, we need to get the direct TV NFL Sunday ticket or I'm not going anywhere. I'm never missing a Patriots game. And so we did that. I had it for about two years, and apparently my contract expired because she's like, you're here now. That's too expensive. So <laughs> that's how some things go. But, <laughs> but uh, I was, when I first moved here, I was in five fantasy football leagues. And these are high-dollar leagues, like $100 entry fee, like ridiculous stuff. And now, so, obviously, I don't do that anymore. Some of you are probably saying, well, obviously, you, you ha you're married and you have kids. You can't do that anymore. I'll give you that. Right? But I don't necessarily have the desire to do it anymore. Jesus has, has changed that. I, I remember how we spend our money. I remember sitting in, in one of those seats and, and um, 
just like you all are and hearing a message that, you know, maybe particularly moved me one Sunday and, 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 you know, I'd reach in my pocket when offering came around and throw in a 20 and feel so proud of myself. Like I walk out, pat myself, oh, you're a good Christian today. You're really getting this thing, right? Like I, I thought it was good, man. And, and what God has done over these last few years is he's called me to live a holy life is, uh, you know, my wife, since we've had kids, she, she stepped back and work a little bit. We, we make less money now than we did back then. And we give away way more. And, and somehow God has worked that out in our in his economy that we're living a better life than we ever have and and I, I can't give you the math equation it's his economy but I can tell you that he's faithful and that's how it works when God calls you to live a holy life he gives you everything you need to do it okay so God he, he Jesus he calls us to himself and then he calls us to live a holy life and, and number three um, he calls us to his purpose he calls us to his purpose. This is where my mind goes instantly when I hear the word calling. I think, what, what's my purpose? What's God's purpose for me? In other words, what, what does he want me to do? Who does he want me to be? Where does he want me to go? What is God's will for my life specifically? Let's go back to, to Paul in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. Paul says, Jesus gave Christians gifts. He gave us spiritual gifts. Who, who determines what gifts you get? He does. God determines what, what you get, what they get, what, what they get. He, he, he looks at the church and he says, hey, they're going to need some of this over there, and they're going to need that over there, they're going to need that, and so I'm going to give him this ability, and I'm going to give her this experience, and I'm going to give him this capacity, and then they're all going to work together. He works it all together as a church for his good, for the good of, of, of the church, Jesus' church. The, the Bible often uses this illustration of the church as a body. In fact, Paul uses it here in, in verses 15 and 16. The church is a body with Jesus as the head, and, and we're, the, we're the different body parts. And we serve different functions, and we have different skills and abilities, and we all do different things. But, but uh, together, in its totality, God uses those things to come together to unify us for, for the benefit and for the glory of, of God and for his church. And so why does God give gifts? He says in, in verse 11, first of all, he says he gives teachers and pastors and prophets and, 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 and the like, basically leaders. And then he says in verse 12, um, and, and this is one of the most important scriptures, I think, in the New Testament about the church. Uh, why does he give gifts? Why does he give leaders? He says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints, that's you all, that's God's people, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the church, God's church. So what Paul's saying here is there's a difference between consumer mentality and Christian mentality. Randy talked a little bit about this last week, if, if you were here in his message, but, but in a consumer mentality, leadership exists to serve you. In a Christian mentality, leadership exists to equip you to serve others. There's a big difference there, okay? And it's, it's important that we, we understand this, this difference as a church because, um, the latest statistics say between 7 and 9% of Americans are practicing, Bible-believing, church-attending Christians. Okay, so um, 7 and 9, let's split the difference. We'll call it 8% just so that we have a number. Um, 8% of people, that means, are giving, serving, participating in the local church. That means 92% of, of Americans, um, people in this country, either don't know Jesus or are not walking with him faithfully. So if there's only 8%, then that puts a huge burden, a huge weight of responsibility on a, on a really uh, small minority of the people, right? 
And so the reason it's so important to fight against that consumer mindset is, is because if you fall into it, first of all, you're dishonoring Jesus. But second of all, in, in a sense, you're, you're actually using your brothers and sisters because they're giving and you're taking. They're giving and you're taking. And, and then the, the result of that is there's nothing left for those who don't yet know Jesus. Our goal is that, that all of God's people would be giving so that more people would be able to come to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we could have the capacity to reach more people. And so the way we do that then is, is determining, okay, what's my gift? What has God wired me? What has he equipped me with? What has he given me? What's going to be my contribution? That's the, the purpose Jesus is calling you to. It's to take his gifts, the gifts that he's given you, and to use them to, to serve God and meet the needs of the people around you. Take what you love to do, whatever it is that, that you are good at, and use it to worship God and meet the needs of the people around you. So, so what do you love? What are you passionate about? What is it that makes you tick? These, this is where the call gets specific to you because we all have different gifts, Right? We're all, we're all made differently. Some of us are leaders. Some of us have the gift of administration or the gift of hospitality. Some of us are really good with computers and technology. Not me. Okay. Some of us uh, ha, ha, uh, love to read and write. Some of us are great artists. Some have musical talent. Some of us have a bunch of gifts and some of us only have one gift. Okay. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Jesus is calling you to take what he's given you and use it to worship God and meet the needs of his people. That's your purpose. So, so who or where do you have a passion to serve? Is there something you're burdened for? Is there something that just breaks your heart? What needs do you see in the church that aren't being met? What, what, what do you find uh, joy in doing for others? What, what things have you, have you had the most success in? What are you the best at? What, what maybe have some godly people said that they've seen in you? Encourage you. Hey, I want to encourage you in this. I've seen this in you. I think you'd be great at that. That, that just might be what, what, uh, an indication of how God has made you and, and the kind of ministry that he's prepared you for. That's his purpose. That's his purpose for you. And let me, let me just remind you as we talk about spiritual gifting and, and purpose that in Christ is your identity. In Christ is your identity. Then your gift is your activity. Okay, your, your identity in Christ explains who you are. Your, your spiritual gift helps clarify what you do. Okay, there's a difference there, and it's important. Your gift is not your identity. It just helps clarify your activity. Okay, so, so I'm not a preacher. I'm a Christian who preaches. You're not a teacher. You're not an administrator. You're not a, a, a stay-at-home mom. You are a Christian who teaches, a Christian who administrates, a Christian who happens to made the decision to stay home and raise her kids. That's your identity in Christ. I, I, I need to be very clear about that because Paul says over 30 times in this book, in Christ, in Christ, you are in Christ. That's who you are. That's your identity. You are not what you do. You are what Jesus has done in you, through you, for you, on your behalf. Your identity is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We are called, every single one of us, we are called, and the Apostle Paul is urging us today to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Before I was called to anything else, I was, I was called to Jesus, into a relationship with him. Then Jesus called me to live a holy life, not by my strength or my power, but by his strength and his power, his merits. And now my identity is wrapped up in him. I am in him, and he is in me. 
and then he called me to his purpose. And I came here to tell somebody, no matter where you find yourself today, no, no matter what you're going through or where life has you right now, you are not defined by your situation. You're not defined by the things that you have. You're not defined by the things that you lack. You're not defined by the things that you've done or the things that you haven't done. You are defined by the call that your ears hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. That's the God we serve. And he is bigger and and, and greater and more loving and more full of grace than you could ever possibly even imagine. And he's calling you. He's calling you today. First into a relationship with Jesus, then to live a holy life. And finally, to use the, the gifts and the talents that he's given you to meet the needs of the people around you. And when you answer that call, that's when you'll start to become who you were always intended to be. Amen? Your call. Your call. Bow your heads with me, please. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for calling us. Thank you that... that um, You wouldn't sit still until you gave the opportunity for each and every one of us to have a relationship with you. God, and and, and that through that through that relationship, Lord, you saw fit to, to change us. Not by our power, but by your power, to make us more like you, God, because you know what's best for us, because you love us. Because it wasn't enough for you just to guarantee us heaven and eternity with you, but you wanted us to, to know what it was like to be full of joy and peace and, and contentment and, and, and to be uh, empowered here on earth. So grateful for that, Lord. And we thank you for your purpose. God, many, many of us, um, many people out there walk around wondering, why am I here? What do, what, what do I do? What is my purpose? Thank you that through your word, God, you made it so clear to us that our purpose is to, to, to be in communion to, with you, to have a relationship with you, and then that through that relationship, through you filling our hearts with your love and your grace and your power and your strength, that we would then use that to go out and do the same for other people. I can't think of a better purpose than that, Lord, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Raph. You know, we're going to transition to a time of communion now. Um, Communion is just a moment where we as believers get to remember.